Hello everyone and welcome to Mabhi Muslim. I'm Maryam Heather, producer and host of the podcast and in this episode I am in conversation with Sulfat Lela and Gargi Haritakam, co-founders of Kozikor based NGO Vanaja Collective. Vanaja Collective supports individuals and members from historically marginalized communities closely working with Kerala's queer community helping couples overcome their family's resistance and find systemic avenues to bring them together. One of the successful cases that Vanaja Collective worked on was of Adila Nasreen and Fatima Noura, who fought familial and legal challenges to reunite and live together as a couple. Listeners' discretion is advised as this episode mentions instances of suicide and the episode notes have timestamps. As a queer Muslim woman, Sulfat shares their journey growing up in a household that was largely driven by men and followed patriarchal norms and expectations. Over the years, Sulfat notes how they have derived support and strength from the women in their family, fought patriarchal mindsets and come together to tackle stereotypes and Islamophobic rhetoric. Kargi discusses how ill practices such as conversion therapy continue to exist and harm the LGBTQI plus community and despite it being banned, are often used by families against their own kin. Sulfat shares how queer voices from within Kerala's Muslim community have been engaging in public dialogues and demonstrations, and how this relationship is further evolving. We also discuss how Malayalam cinema has a long way to go in showcasing stories with feminist characters and queer couples whose love stories do not end in misery or tragic circumstances. Finally, the co-founders share ways that listeners can support Vanaja Collective's fundraising efforts and stay connected with them. All details are mentioned on MBM's website, which is mainbhimuslim.com. Hey Sulfat, hey Gargi, welcome to Happy Muslim. How are you both doing? We are doing good. We are doing excellent. <laughs> Very nice to have you both finally. Um, and uh, I came about your page a few months ago through Adila and Noora's story. And um, ever since I got to know about your collective, I was very curious and I thought I would just reach out and, and hear from both of you. Can you give a bit of introduction to Vanaja Collective and how have you both you know, started it and how are you running it? So, yeah, like uh, both of us have been uh, working in the political uh, activist uh, sphere for a while, like... Um, Sulfat has already uh, spoken about her uh, cure Muslim identity before we started. Vanaja, she was already there speaking about her identity. And uh, I was also working with some small organizations uh, before the forming of the collective. But uh, like the point with at which we decided to have the collective was when one of our friends committed suicide and uh, they were bisexual and they were uh, like forced into conversion therapy and uh, and uh, uh, the media and uh, generally many people from Kerala society, many groups from Kerala society were thinking that we were responsible for that death 
and uh, uh, but we could see the points where a collective help was needed and a collective help could have uh, helped our friend in a different way to help her survive uh, etc so we decided to form this collective uh, together so that we could uh, help people in crisis that was the first motive that we need to help people in crisis especially cure people from intersection yeah i think it's a it's a beautiful effort that you both put together and um i when i first heard about you know in the in our initial discussions you told me about how you started vanaja i think i just felt it was such a courageous and just a remarkable ode to your friend um her life and spirit and i just want to you know take a pause and reflect on that um and really honor the life that she lived i also want to talk about you know you mentioned the conversion therapy um and from my own understanding and reading it seems like it has been a phenomena and a what has been in somehow legitimized over decades especially um in some parts of india and also like in kerala can you talk a more a bit more about conversion therapy and and why is it that people really continue to believe in this yeah mm. um i believe that now when we are uh, working as vanaja collective when we are getting more and more into the details of uh, different kind of illegal therapies that people are made to go through we understand that uh, people from very different uh, spheres of life are undergoing uh, therapy without without any need like uh, uh pe- women wanting divorce uh a girl uh putting up a s- photograph of smoking like very different people are uh you know being brought into therapy for no reason and uh, uh this is because uh, this is just like a continuation of like how we used to do that uh magic people used to come and like uh try to get uh you into some sort of uh um you know give you some magic meditation so that you are no longer homosexual or gay or whatever and uh, in kerala every place this will continue as long as we don't have a proper understanding of patriarchy or uh, the power systems you know because we want our children to continue doing um, what our forefathers did and our children are no longer uh, listening to the patriarchal norms they know better they know uh, more about freedom and uh, now so you want to make them feel that they are they are sick make them feel that there is something wrong with them and this is just a continuation of uh, old traditions i guess but yeah it's going uh, in a different way these days and 
do you would you say that it has to a lot to some extent been legitimized through practitioners who claim to be you know and i'm using quotes like psychologist or having an understanding of um, psychology so to speak and do you think that is something that also in a way makes people believe or or follow it uh, that's true because uh, in when in the pedagogy of psychology or um, psychotherapy or whatever they are not uh, uh, learning about the sociological aspects of mental health they are not learning about the structural inequalities or uh, anything that kind of makes people ill so uh, the framework uh, of their own learning about mental health is based on their morality which is religious morality or communal morality right and uh, they put this morality uh, picture they project this picture onto all the patients come to them so if they are uh, anti anti trans people they definitely punish their uh, clients or support seekers for being trans and we have seen this happening um, so many times the mental health act of 2017 clearly states that um, uh, such things cannot be done all these things are uh, outlawed in that act but uh, that act is not been enacted properly in the society there are so many provisions in that act which makes you uh, which makes the situation better but that is not been actually practiced in the uh, normal situation so that's what we are trying to do what we are trying to do is to make uh, that act work for people sulfat so i want to kind of ask you in a more personalized sort of experience that you've had growing up um with family with a community um you as gargi said like you and and gargi have known each other before even when naja was formed and you identify as a queer muslim and based on what the understanding of queerness is and then there is a sense of religiosity that comes with it that how does the religion play a part in in the whole society can you share a bit about how your experience has been and and how have you understood the work that needs to be put into becoming better at understanding lgbtqi solidarity and acceptance yeah so uh, i was born in a very muslim conservative family in kerala and in fa- in my family there were seven women and two men only two men but these two men were the decision makers of my family uh, and when my, when i left my home at 18 it wasn't about my queer identity but it was about my identity as a woman uh, my right to education they were trying to get me married without my permission without my consent and that's why i left home and my mother and sisters always stood beside me uh, as they were my greatest strength that time and but they couldn't do that much because uh, these two men restricted them from calling me contacting me and i couldn't visit my home uh, because i was restricted from my own home by uh, men in my family and my neighbors 
so uh, after leaving home somehow i came to i connected with queer people in kerala that's why i that's how i connected with gargi also uh, and mostly through facebook instagram online platforms i connected with anjana uh, gargi mentioned earlier anjana and uh, i came to calicut and met many queer people from calicut and that's how i started working with queer community and i came out as a queer muslim person but at first uh, i wasn't sure about claiming my muslim identity because when i left home i was very rebellious and i was against all these conservative ideas all these conservative people who were following religious beliefs and uh, such systems but uh, when i started working with political uh, when i started working in the political area and queer community uh, i understood the importance of claiming uh my identity as a muslim queer woman that's how that's how i uh, started representing myself as a queer muslim and i think uh after that uh, the thing in my the most important part important thing about being a muslim believer is that we can always stick to the faith that we have in the community i think nobody can erase us uh, erase our community because we are always sticking to the faith part we always believe in allah that he will save us from all the misery like that so when i found that uh, believe when i found that part again i was able to survive i was able to live a better life yeah and all uh, your community helped me a lot to under to reach in such an understanding in my life thanks ulfat you you've put it out so beautifully because you know the aspect of community is something that is one of our grounding forces you know it it helps us manage a lot of things take care of a lot of things that is happening around us invest ourselves in places and and causes that matter to us and then come back to a to a sense of belonging in the community that we've grown up and the communities that we find because you mentioned how you know you found a home of so to speak in the queer community as well um and from what you were sharing it made me wonder if you see that things are changing within the muslim community as well um in kerala or has for you like you have you know understood and embraced the different facets of your identity do you see other people also doing so and do you see changes happening in terms of conversations in terms of acknowledgement yeah actually uh, in kerala queer community has consistently shown support and solidarity for the Uh, oppressed regardless of any homophobia or prejudice uh, we have conducted protest street programs against caa nrc against hijab ban we stand for palestine we grieve with them and it is now the time for the muslim community to align with the queer community and i think the conversations and discussions has been already started here uh, 
we have groups uh, groups like uh, cure cure cures against cure leaves against homophobia for homophobia we have such groups here we have such discussions here in the community and uh, from muslim community also there are people who shows solidarity with the cause but uh, i think it should uh, I, i think there are some re- restrictions especially for the women from the muslim community even though they are supporting even though they are standing with our cause they can't come out and stand with us publicly because there are restrictions due to patriarchy and family system yeah uh, but yeah such conversations are happening here and uh, we hope that it will change yeah i think just the part where you mentioned that you see more and more people coming who who are who associate with the muslim identity who are from the community um coming out and you know in a way supporting larger other conversations and you said something very uh which is it's time that the muslim community stands with the queer community and i think that's that's something very powerful to acknowledge um as we have this conversation i think as a collective i also know that you know uh, like i said earlier i got to know about your collective through adila and noora story you know which made headlines and then also um somaya and afifa story you know how you have been supporting them and how they have been standing against the forces whether it's within their families or administrative forces who are trying who did not accept them as a couple or were trying to not give give them those rights as a couple um can you share a bit about how have you supported you know partnerships like these companionships like these and in a way what are you learning from them and how are they learning from you what i think is uh it's a uh it's a bit complicated in a sense that uh we are um, we are supporting lesbian uh, homosexual women from the muslim community and uh, um, muslim community has uh, written um Uh, whatever like they are uh, many people from the community claim that they have written evidence against uh, homosexuality or like it's in the book that homosexuality is bad um and um, we are um so we find it uh, for um, for adila noora or sumeya fifa i think it they are more courageous than all of us here who come from a very um, strict and very conservative background to acknowledge and recognize their sexuality and to you know realize that this is something not bad something not a sin it's love and we they need to pursue this love you know and uh, uh, we are only you know helping them supporting them after they have come to this realization uh because they all contacted us after making plans of getting out of home and uh, living life together etc etc 
yeah so um i don't think we we got to deal with the conservative part they got to deal with it and uh, um uh, sumaya and afifa were telling me uh, in a personal discussion that they know that they were sinners but it's okay they were feeling that they were sinners you know <laughs> but uh, yeah so we were trying to convince them no you are okay you are natural whatever but you know the conditioning is so deep that sometimes they start believing that they are also at the wrong uh, and uh, yeah so um, most of it uh, it's there it's theirs to deal we are only like also our support is also just in the midway you know we help them to get out of home and help them to uh, settle a little bit that's all we do so just a few days they are with us that's all or we are in touch with them but their life is for them to live and uh, they are convinced and that's the best part um yeah it's just like you said just the amount of courage and the amount of faith to believe in their relationship to believe in themselves um is i would say it's it's commendable at the same time um it so it shows a path for so many others to recognize you know what are our needs and what whom do we love and and how do we pursue love um and and within that within that you know journey they find voices and support mechanisms like yours and then you like you said like you offer them the support that you can but the bigger part the 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 bearing of this truth is is what they first choose to speak up with and uh, and that's uh, that's just inspiring so in on so many levels and i personally was uh, like i said like for personally for me just to see how how joyous the pictures and the stories of adila and noora are is there something like just adds just more sunshine to the day <laughs> every time i i so you mentioned about how you know vanaja has over a period of time stood the um, you were part of the anti ca protest um, you know you were you pulled out um, you pulled out support against against the hijab uh, ban that was imposed on the students in karnataka in the larger in the larger context of you know where we see ourselves um i wouldn't just say as a as a muslim community but also like as a community that is seeing how hate against the minorities how hate against marginalized communities is just becoming regular and regular you know it's just becoming so obvious every day um what do you see and i think the answer can come from both you know you and gargi both how do you see the work of a collective like vanaja um continuing in and ho- upholding those principles of equality of dignity um, and of respect for for everyone regardless of the religion their gender background or caste uh so uh, as i said earlier there is a chance for every person uh 
to be uh, especially when uh, we are born in a conservative muslim family there is a chance for us to talk against that system and i think most of the cure com- most of the people in muslim people in cure community has a past like that i mean at first when they came out they were uh, against muslim community and then they got to understand that uh, muslim community is also facing problems here and we should stand with them and then we change uh, our stand and then we got uh, then we then we understand the importance of uh, standing with the community as a queer person and as also a muslim person and uh, as banija collective is trying to how more discussions and more understanding in this subject we are trying to uh, talk to people from our community uh, about the leaves of muslims also yeah so we are conducting such discussions for a change that we can make and uh, we are also um, you know like uh, uh, planning to do more of uh, uh, activities in the different uh, oppressed communities uh, and how to uh, like one of the biggest things when we see oppressed communities is that one oppressed community will have some problem with the other oppressed community all the oppressed communities are uh, dividing divided and ruled right so and that is the problem with the system or that is the tactic of the system so that they can rule all of us in put all of us in different boxes and rule us but uh, what we are trying to do is to break these boxes so that people from different boxes get to understand the other people and how how that so in the cnrc um, struggle uh, it came up with a slogan called oppressed unity i think it is one of the most important politically important slogan also an ideology uh, currently because we all need unity against this uh, hindutva fascist brahmanist system which is classist casteist and patriarchal at the same time so uh, only united uh, oppressed people can uh, have any uh, can provide any threat to the present fascist regime so that's what we are uh, trying to do like we are trying to uh, melt down the walls break down uh, different boxes so that we all come together as the oppressed community like um, what prakash ambedkar is doing in maharashtra or uh, like how small collectives and small political parties are doing uh, across many states in india yeah and i also think that the younger generation in kerala has also uh, has this clarity on this topic uh, because when we conducted cure pride march kerala this year uh, in the audience there were many muslim women 
to hear us to listen us and to talk about their oppression and to to stand with us and there were also people uh, who did protest for palestine has also showed their solidarity with uh, our cure pride. cure pride yeah so that was uh, very liberating for us <laughs> yeah yeah um thank you for sharing that galgi and sulfat both of you and liberating is really the word that speaks to all of us i believe in this moment in time intersectional solidarity is what allows us to have actionable hope for a future which is equal to all of us and you know as you were speaking um sulfat i was going back to the the questions that i was working on for this conversation and it took me to a a survey that was done i think in 2021 called the matrubhumi youth manifesto survey which showed that within the ages of 15 and 35 over 70% of the youth supports legislation for same sex marriages you know and and that's a profoundly big number and chunk of i i don't know would they be yeah. gen z <laughs> Genzies and the and the young millennials, I would say, um, who can very clearly see that this is simply about you know just wanting to live and love the way you would like to, and uh, that that number and figure really <laughs> brought a lot of hope in me as well. Within within the state of Kerala, you already shared this as well, but how is it that we like when you look at this number and when you look look at the way people are showing up at different public events um and demonstrations do you do you see that they are also committed in that in not just simply to be part of demonstrations but also have conversations back at home back with their interpersonal relationships especially with our parents because i think that's one big uh, sort of leap that we often have to make and i believe our parents also sometimes have to make to understand how to meet together you know how to find that meeting point but you think like the the gen z's are also now interacting and i would call all of us also like we are part of that collective that we are ready to have conversations back at home and say this is not right we need to stand up for the marginalized and that means we are showing up for everyone who has been marginalized i think the younger generation is doing the revolution everywhere they can also at their home because uh, what they are doing outside they will be forced to do it in their own home so i think they are making a big change in in every system they are making change and uh, i think it's a result of uh, the work the people have been doing here the effort uh, the queer community and all the oppressed community put here to make change yeah yeah i also think so i think uh, the younger generation like uh, most of the organizers of the kerala queer pride were like below 25 or below 23 you know like <laughs> so and uh, uh for some of them it was their first pride some, for some of them it was their second pride um so um they are making a lot of noise regarding uh, the oppression 
everywhere like i think it was easy when uh, sulfat was uh, sloganeering for palestine everybody was together yeah it was not like uh, somebody was alone there and trying to say something everybody knew about what was going on in palestine so yeah it's uh, we have a lot of hope in the work we are doing uh, and uh, uh, yeah we are definitely getting better at it in some time <laughs> yeah i remember watching your video gargi uh, with sulfat slogan yelling and I, i you're right like it was a collective call um that everyone was making and um, it just brings like it makes you feel alive that you're not the only lone standing voice and i think this conversation is coming up more and more especially as we are all witnessing the onslaught on palestine that you you can have a, a full sort of even the social media machinery which is trying to you know clamp down on the number of views and engagement that palestinian accounts or palestinian supporters are trying to do but that's not stopping people from sharing that's not stopping people from voicing their support um and it largely comes from um just this resounding understanding that we will need to stand for what is right and we need to we need to play our part and i think in that way maybe the echoes get into every place like sulfat said they go whether it's family whether it's friends or you know neighbors i i am i am a millennial so i i'm not on tiktok but i do have i have over the years growing up i think for me films and movies have always been a, a channel of understanding the world of understanding life you know so to speak and and i became a very late entrant to you know malayalam cinema but the moment i started reading and researching about it i was mind blown as to the the way that filmmakers have been talking about some so many things not not just talking about um identities and and our you know sexualities but also different kinds and forms of love and how every kind of love is is pure and needs to be accepted um and i want to hear a bit from both of you you know um just having spent so many years in kerala having watched those films how did the the would i would say like the culture informed the understanding of of the world that we live in and can you give us some if you would like to give us some recommendations <laughs> on this episode as well i don't know but i uh i don't really exactly relate to what you're like the excitement you're talking maybe because we have grown in this uh, culture whatever <laughs> yeah and uh, mm, there are a lot of interesting filmmakers in um, tamil also whom we look up to and uh, yeah kannada also but the thing is um uh we have a, a strong conversation going on that is true and uh, especially did you watch uh, the great indian kitchen not yet okay but yes i'm i i know about that film and it's on my to watch list and i think that's again that's one of the reasons because i read so much about the the great indian kitchen and i i i think it came out 2 years ago few years ago years i think ago. 20s 
ഹോപ്പ്ഫുൾ Yeah, but it's not like uh, all Malayalam films are hmm. extremely good or... Only there are few films uh, which uh, like Uru Deshadanakili and Deshadanakili Deshadanakili Karayarilla. There is one movie, movie named Deshadanakili Karayarilla and I watched this movie with my mother when I was a kid. <laughs> and yeah, I thought uh, this, it's about two girls who are in love. Oh, wow. And, uh, but at the end, the one girl committed suicide. Yeah. And in most of the uh, films about queer persons here in Kerala are very tragic, actually. It will uh, either end up in suicide or something like that. Some tragedy will happen in the end. And, but uh, as we said earlier... Yeah, like... yeah but the younger generation are making a change for that mm-hmm. there, there were one short film named uh, I, i don't remember the name amor agano amor yeah amor i guess so it was about uh, a gay couple and it it's a very beautiful movie it just showed the love and care they have between no tragedy <laughs> yeah so that was a very happy moment for queer community in kerala to watch such a beautiful work you were saying yeah i was saying that uh, you mentioned sanjaram and muthon yeah. in both the films community people are dying or separated or breaking up or something like that yeah so they are both these films were made by people who are not community members they are allies so also they haven't consulted with any community members regarding our lives regarding the uh, fight we have been going through yeah yeah so uh, growing up as a queer kid uh, i don't think uh, we can we can find any hope or we can find we can connect with those feelings we have here hmm thank you for sharing that because i as i was listening i was also pondering over this that it's not just about reflecting um love of a, of a certain kind but also showing joy and and hope and a happy future you know like the climax it doesn't have to be so drastic um and i was also thinking as what other movies even globally that i am trying to remember if they have had that um that essence of love without the tragic end you know like can we just have love with a good end or just a happy journey like you know everything will happen up and down but that's part of life and it just doesn't end at the you know this in this uh, dark place um, oh i saw a very nice uh, hindi uh cure movie uh two 
one lesbian woman was getting got married to a gay man both understood their sex oh yes uh, i'm just married or something like that something oh i, I yeah it's a hindi yeah, film yeah right? yeah 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 i think i watched it as well and um, it was very nice like there was no not much tragedy and all everybody was having good sex and good time <laughs> true in yeah. now a lot of films are coming out like that yes and i i think like i'm all all the time like curious as to how they are bringing out their like even in a presentation of a, a queer couple can have like the multiple intersectionalities of like where is the where is one of the characters from like um, whether it is a religious background or whether it is a caste background and that kind of showcases a more deeper understanding of how the intersectionality plays around especially i feel in a in a country and a culture like our um, the indian society i do have a couple more questions but they are mostly about again and I'm, i'm kind of zooming back on your work as a collective you know you've been working incredibly um, in so many spaces you have been building so many conversations what is the vision that you hold for vanaja collective for the coming future we believe that we can continue to make these spaces uh, and make a bigger space safe space for the community more space for you know uh, people from our community so that they can um so even in in the entire kerala i don't find a place where we can just casually come in and sit and talk about feminism or uh, talk about bell hooks or you know talk about um being uh, cure or whatever like there are no discussion spaces in kerala which is uh, casual or um easy or safe you know so uh, we want to make a space where people can just come in and feel easy about themselves feel welcome and feel uh, so that's what we want an office for we want we don't have an office yet and uh, we are trying to uh, get enough money to hire an office in the future uh and also through our work we are trying to uh, ensure that all the oppressed communities are getting the uh, you know accessibility to systemic powers i think uh, our crisis strategy is that we are uh, we are using the system to help the oppressed we are using uh, this uh, police and uh, law system and we are kind of uh threatening these people to you know <laughs> abide by the law like we uh we are making big scene when they are like talking um in a normal conventional sense yeah so we are using uh media also to uh two cases we have gone to media one is uh adila noora and the other one is sumaya fifa but uh, we have dealt with uh, more than 
15 cases in the main library. We, so we use media only when there is no other way. You have to use media, you know, like sometime to pressure the authorities to do uh, what is legally possible. And you mentioned earlier that you are working towards having an office space and a, a space that you can have for conversations. I know you were also raising, uh, you're doing a fundraiser. Can you talk a bit about that and how people can help you fundraise? Um, and what are the places that we, all the listeners can, you know, find out about the work you're doing and stay connected and support in every way they can. There is a Milap link where uh, we have put up uh, for fundraising and uh, there uh, we can, uh, anybody can see the work we have done and uh, um, they can understand uh, what we are going to do in the future, etc. Yeah, that will be the basic place, first place to go to. And uh, yeah, it's a very difficult task when uh, extremely talented people like Sulfat uh, and then there are other two, two other members in the organization uh, who are like working here for the whole time and are not getting paid, you know. So it's an extremely difficult situation um, for all of us that way. So yeah, that's why we are uh, trying to do some fundraising. But um, we have kind of uh, exhausted all the crowdfunding possibilities. We have uh, reached out to all the circles uh, for fundraising and now we are waiting for some um, fundraising organizations to help us. We have uh, applied for funding in many places. We are waiting to hear from them, yeah. And you also have an Instagram presence. Yeah, uh, you can find this Banija Collective in Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Instagram is something what we are using as a political tool. Yeah. Like uh, when there is like we did our, our Adila's case came up on our Instagram page first. Like Sumaya's case also. When we decide to go to the media, that is the place we are using. And we got connected with many beautiful women like <laughs> Marian. <laughs> Yeah, we got connections from Instagram. Yeah. I think that was our start as a collective. We got a community there in the virtual uh, area. Yeah, and um, there are many people from different places who are supporting us, showing their love uh, to uh, financial support and sharing their, you know, spaces, spaces like also. Doing, yeah. yeah. I would say the same for both of you it's been such a privilege to come across your work and now finally be able to speak to both of you having said that i also want to make sure that all of our listeners can get the right links to support um, financially to help another collective get a physical space and continue with these conversations with these efforts on the ground that talk 
from talking about queer couples and queer love, um, standing up for marginalized groups everywhere, and standing up for liberation of Palestine. So that's that's the fervent wish I hold for all of us, and I I will make um, I make sure that we get the right links on all the pages and continue speaking up for um, all of us. Thank you so much, Gargi. Thank you so much, Sulfat. It's been a beautiful afternoon speaking to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please review and or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. Also, do consider supporting Vanaja Collective through their fundraising efforts. The links and details to it are mentioned on Mebhi Muslim's website. You can also listen to other MBM episodes with Sabika Abbas, Nasni Rizvi, Annie Zedi, among others, who bring a diverse understanding of being an Indian, a Muslim, and everything in between. I'm Maryam Heather. Thank you for listening to Mebhi Muslim. I will be back with another episode in a few weeks. Until then, take care. Lots of love and gratitude.